Following the preaching of the gospel in this area of Galatia that Paul and, and Barnabas had gone to uh, on that first missionary journey, there were some that came in after them, and we refer to them as those Judaizing teachers. And they were saying, here's the gospel, plus you need to keep the law. And in Galatians, it appears that their tactics, and we touched on this somewhat this morning in class, it appears that their tactics were along these lines. Let's discredit Paul. And if we can discredit him, then we can discredit his message. And what they really wanted to do with his message was add the law to it and part of the way in which they would discredit his message is saying you can't keep a person in line unless you teach him the law and that the spirit's not just enough the faith is not just enough you've got to add the law to this so discredit Paul discredit that message and teach that his teaching is just going to lead to loose living and so you could destroy his reputation, his work, and the gospel that Paul had preached. So what I want us to do this morning as we give consideration to this is, we're going to take a look at Paul the Apostle. There is no other gospel. And then the gospel verse, that which is counterfeit. And as I mentioned in class this morning, really the theme of the book of Galatians is, is chapter 5 verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of bondage. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of men, but through God, through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So immediately Paul states, and oftentimes we say, well, that's the way to identify who's doing the writing here. Paul's doing more than just identifying. <laughs> He's saying, this is Paul. And I'm an apostle. And this is the way I received this. And so now I'm writing to you. And oftentimes as you take a look at the book of Galatians, commentators and so forth will say, as you look at this, there's a certain urgency that is being put forth here. And one of the ways that you can tell that there's an urgency is the way that Paul opens this letter. So he doesn't do it in the usual fashion that the way a lot of his letters open. And so we want to pick up on that. We want to recognize that there is this urgency. And I want to give you this little illustration as we get into this. There is a fellow who liked to do woodworking type projects in his spare time, kind of as a hobby and so forth. Had a little shop out behind the house. And whenever he was out there in his shop working on these projects because he used power equipment, power tools and so forth, he didn't like to be interrupted. His wife knew that. She understood that. She respected that. But on one occasion, she came out to the shop. She opened the door and she stepped inside and he was busy there working on a machine and so forth. And she stood and she waited. And then she waited. And she waited a little longer. Finally, he turned off the machine and he looked up and he said, 
is there something you wanted to tell me? And she said, I just want to let you know the house is on fire. <laughs> there are times when you forego the usual protocol and you get right down to the message. And as you read the introduction to the book of Galatians, that's what commentators say. As you recognize how Paul does this, you can see an urgency in his writing. Because if you look at the introduction to the book of Ephesians, for example, if you look at the introduction to the book of Philippians, Paul's normal kind of usual style was, this may be the Apostle Paul or he might say that, and those who are with me, and then to the brethren who are at Ephesus or at Philippi, and then he would give some kind of commendation towards them, and he would tell them how much he appreciated them, and how often he thought of them, and how often he prayed for them. And he, he doesn't really do that here. He just kind of gets to it. So I want to read verse 1 through 6 and just kind of notice this. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God of our God and Father to him to him be glory forevermore amen i am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel it's paul an apostle and we're going to take a look at verses 2 through 5 in just a minute because once again, I want to emphasize in the book of Galatians, it is the gospel message packed in there. And about verses 2 through 5, there's this kind of summary of the gospel. And then in verse 6, there's this attention getter. There's this warning. It's been said, and I want to get this concept across it's been said that the book of Romans, if you like to use sports il illustrations, which I do, <laughs> and you think along the line of football, it's been said the book of Romans is like the offense. And the book of Galatians is like the defense. Because in the book of Romans, Paul's going to unfold the gospel and he's going to tell you what the gospel is. In the book of Galatians, he's going to tell you what the gospel isn't. So it's like offense and defense. In the book of Romans, it's like you're moving the ball forward. Here's the gospel, and this is where this is going. This is where this message will take you. In the book of Galatians, don't let somebody come in and move that message back the other way. Because that's not what the gospel is. This is what it isn't. It's not coming to the faith and then going back to the law. As I mentioned earlier, Galatians 5 and verse 1 is kind of the theme for the entire book. And so their method is, let's destroy Paul. Let's attack his concept of the gospel. 
and then teach people that his kind of faith is going to end up leading to loose and immoral living. In Galatians 1, when he says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Notice what Paul's saying. This is Paul, an apostle, from Jesus Christ and God the Father. And it's not from men, nor through any agency of men. So what's Paul saying? I want to remind you who I am. I'm an apostle. These words that I'm writing to you, they carry weight. They carry weight. See, because if you look over in Philippians to chapter 3, so if Paul had desired to try to impress them with who he was based upon human efforts and human achievement, what would he say? Here I am, Paul, of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, a Hebrew of Hebrews, among my brethren, excelling far above all others. I'm of the sect of the Pharisees. And you see that? See, sometimes we might talk to someone or we might write to someone and say, hey, you really ought to listen to me. <laughs> and the reason why you ought to listen to me is this because I've been to this school or I've taken these classes, I've done all these kind of things, I've got this degree and so forth, and so therefore, I'm authorized to speak on this subject and you ought to listen. And see, Paul doesn't go that route. Paul says, I'm an apostle. And that's not by man. And that's not by any agency. And that's not by any school. This is direct from Jesus Christ and God the Father that I am an apostle. Second Corinthians, the 12th chapter. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, what did he say? While I was among you, I worked the signs of a true apostle. And so when Paul writes, whether it's to Galatians or whether it's to Ephesians or Philippians or to Corinth or wherever it might be, he wanted them to know that the words that he was speaking, they were coming directly from God. This is Paul, an apostle. So why is that important? The reason why that's important is this. Because when Paul says it, it's the same thing as God saying it. See, sometimes people open a Bible and they say, I want to read the, the words in red. <laughs> you know, those are the important ones. <laughs> and Paul's saying, no, these are just as important. These words are just as important as those words. If we're going to put them in red, we ought to put them all in red. That's what he's saying. Another thing. Paul says, to Corinth, I worked the signs of a true apostle. Later, the apostle Peter, when he writes and talks about the writings of the apostle Paul, 
in 2 Peter chapter 3 and about verses 15 and 16, how does he refer to them? He refers to them as Scripture. So here's one apostle writing about another apostle, and he says his words are Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says all Scripture is given by inspiration, and that word inspiration means God breathed. So Paul is saying, Galatians, I'm an apostle. Corinthians, I work the signs of apostle. Peter, when Paul writes, that's Scripture. And when Paul writes to Timothy, he says this Scripture is God-breathed. That's important. So if he's saying it as an apostle, it's the same as God saying it. We need to take it the same way. Because some folks today don't. <laughs> when Paul wrote to Ephesus also, church, uh, the book of Ephesians, he said the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In other words, what they have revealed. Paul an apostle, not by man, not by any agency of man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so what follows, whatever follows is going to flow from that fact. Because that's what the Judaizing teachers are trying to discredit. Him as an apostle. Chapter 1, verse 11. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's room and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach among him, preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. What's Paul saying? It's what we talked about in class this morning. Paul says when he was called by Jesus Christ, I didn't go up to Jerusalem to find out anything. I didn't need to go up there to get verified by them. In fact, I went away into Arabia and then came back to Damascus. So Paul says, listen to Boston. Now verses 6 through 9. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, 
or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Think about that for a moment. We'll talk about this a little more in a future lesson. There's a context to these letters, these New Testament letters. And the way that they are written and that the way that they are designed to be delivered is that these letters would be taken and this is addressed to the churches of Galatia. It's not just one. But Paul intends for this letter to be delivered and he intends for it to be read. Not everybody in that day and time would have their own copy. And even if they had their own copy, not everybody would be able to read it. So these letters would be delivered and someone would read it. And these churches would sit and listen to it. Now think about that for a moment. You've got these first five verses. And Paul introduces himself. And he reminds them that he's an apostle. And that he did not get this from men or from any agency of men. But this came directly to him through Jesus Christ. And he says grace and peace to you. And then in verse 6, I'm amazed that you're so quickly, some translations say, deserting. The actual word that is used there means to like exchange, to transfer. I gave you a message. And now you're transferring. You're exchanging that for something else. As some translations have rendered it as deserting. Because that's what's going to happen. If you take the message that I delivered is what he's saying. And you change that. You add something to it. You change it in any fashion. You're deserting. We need to let that sink in. Because that's what Paul's emphasizing. Yes, he's defending his apostleship. Why? Because I want you to know these words came from God, and if they came from God, you have no right to change it. And don't let anyone deceive you into taking something else. Hang on to what I delivered to you, because that's what God wanted delivered to you. It's not Jesus plus something a little less. It's not Jesus plus something a little more. It's this. This is what he wanted delivered. What Paul is saying is this is where you raise your Ebenezer. <laughs> this is where you drive the stake in the ground. 
This is where you stand. No, I don't want that plus something else. I don't want that and maybe a little less. I want this. And that's the same attitude that we ought to have. That's the same attitude everybody ought to have today. I want this. I want to know what this says. Verse 7. Which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. So Paul says, there's no other gospel message. And those who are wanting to change it, they should be condemned. And that's where they stand. And if you follow after them, you're deserting the gospel. So don't follow. So he indicts them. And he pronounces a sentence upon them. It's like a warning sign. And it's like a danger sign. And in this day and time in which we live, it's not real PC, is it? To say that there's one gospel. And there's only one. So what Paul is saying is, it's decision time. Where do you stand? You're either going to stand with what I delivered or you're going to go with him. And I want you to know that they stand condemned. And that's what will happen. And so Paul sets a tone of seriousness. Like I said, that's not real PC. You look around at the religious world today, they're not all teaching the same thing. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying, what does this say? And Paul says there's one. I grew up in the 60s. <laughs> listened to the Beatles. And I listened to George Harrison sing, My Sweet Lord. George Harrison was not singing about Jesus Christ. In the 60s, you know what was big? Eastern religion. That's who George Harrison was thinking about. My sweet Lord. A guru <laughs> that the Beatles had decided they should follow after. That's what that song's all about. It's not about Jesus Christ. And there would be those who would teach you that one faith is not big enough for everybody. But Paul says it is. Jude 3. Contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all time delivered unto the saints. 2 Timothy 3. It's given so that the man of God can be thoroughly furnished, complete, 
Peter says he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And in Ephesians, there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. You know what that means? That means there's one Lord, not many. And when George Harrison was singing about some Indian guru, he missed the point. (laughs) There's just one. And there's one faith, not many. It's not a smorgasbord. There's one, and it's been revealed. And then he says there's one baptism. You know what that means? The emphasis really is to be understood that there's one practice. There's one Lord, there's one body of faith, and there's a common practice to all of that. So I'll just say this. If there's ever a time when I say something or when I teach something and you think, now wait a minute, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. Do me a favor and tell me. And we'll we'll discuss it. And if there's ever a time when I say something and you think, mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's what I believe or not. Then you have a right to say, could you show me from the faith, from God's word, why I should believe that? But that's what you should say to everybody who's a preacher or a teacher or a friend that comes along and wants to tell you something about salvation or how to be saved or worship, or the church, or whatever it might be. Just say, well, can you show me that? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Not by what somebody thinks, or not what somebody feels. You ever hear anybody say that? Well, I feel. I know you do. This is my opinion. But that's not what's going to get you to heaven. It's what the faith has revealed. So if I ever say something and you don't agree, feel free to let me know. But if I say something and you think, well, I don't think I understood it that way before, and you come to understand it, then my prayer and your prayer ought to be that if we come to understand the truth, that we change. Right? We want to align with the truth. Because that's what's going to get us to heaven. That's the tone that Paul has said. Some people have said in regards to this introduction that Paul was angry. I don't know that he was angry. If he was angry, it was angry at those who were leading these people astray. I believe Paul was frustrated. He went there. He sacrificed. He almost died there. And now somebody's coming in and trying to teach something different. Is he frustrated? Yeah, I think so. And we've got to get this back on track because there's a danger here. If this is let go, there's a chance we lose that whole region.
in verse 6, Paul conveys shock at what has happened. And in essence, you need to accept the fact that I'm an apostle and that what I'm telling you is the word of God. And if you turn away, you're deserted. And then Paul clarifies, there is no other gospel. And those who would teach this thing, they're to be cursed. So that's what Paul is essentially pointing out first. He's the apostle. There is no other gospel. And then the gospel versus some counterfeit. No, back up a little bit to verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Our men. Amen. Paul's going to reiterate over and over. There's only one gospel. That's what he delivered to them. And as some others have said, whenever you look at Galatians, it's brief. But it's condensed. And when you read Galatians, you've got to unpack it. And so if you notice in verse 3 through 5, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. Peace to you. That's the results. The gospel being delivered, that's God's grace. Then believing the gospel and responding to it, that's the peace that God intended. And those who receive it by faith are the ones who are going to be reconciled. And in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4, he says that if they turn away from that, if they go back to the law, if they go back to circumcision, he's going to say, you've fallen from grace. So the gospel is the result. It's the finished product of what Jesus Christ did. In verse 4, he says, Who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God our fa- God and our Father. Sometimes people look at that and they think that, well, he's just talking about the future. That someday this life's going to be over and, and he's delivered us. But he says he's delivered us from this present evil age yeah there's a future hope there but there's more to it than that and what Paul is trying to get them to see what Jesus Christ done is sufficient is sufficient to deliver people from this present evil age what Paul is saying is it's adequate to help free you from sin And it's adequate 
to keep you free from sin and to deliver you from a life of sin. See, that's the point. The Judaizers would say, oh no, you got to have the law. And Paul's saying, no, you need the gospel. And that's what will deliver you. I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. A person can have, and I'm not being critical. <laughs> I'm not being critical. I'm saying people need the gospel. And they need Jesus Christ. And that is what will make your life better. And that that's what he's talking about. So sometimes people can have trouble with alcohol. They can have trouble with drugs. They can have trouble with sexual addictions. They can have trouble with all kinds of things. And the Judaizing teachers would come along. And there would be people come along today. So you know what you need? <laughs> this life you're living is not right. What you need is law. Beat them over the head a little bit. <laughs> Show them where they're wrong. Paul says, no, what they need is Jesus Christ. They need the gospel. They need to be shown God's grace. They need to be shown God's love and His mercy. That's the power to change people's lives. Can we see that? See, the law couldn't do that. The law could tell you where you're wrong. It just couldn't deliver you from doing it. And Paul says, the grace, the gospel, the love, the mercy of God, that can give you the motivation to live a life free from that. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. See what I'm saying? See what Paul's saying? You want to live a life free from sin? You want to help someone live a life free from sin? You know who you need to introduce them to? need to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And you need to tell them about Jesus Christ and you need to tell them how much He loves them and what He has done for them. And how much He wants to deliver you. Ultimately, but now, also. In chapter 5, Paul will contrast the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says that other gospel, that counterfeit gospel that they're pushing, it can't do that. It won't deliver. There's only one gospel. There's only one message. 
that can deliver that kind of life. And he says, this is what you need to understand. You go back to the law, and you know what you'll be doing? You'll be trying to live by your own strength. And the law has already shown that men fail under the weight of the law. It is God's mercy, God's love, God's grace that gives the strength to overcome that. So what's Paul do? In his introduction, he's emphasizing the need to persevere and to preserve the gospel. Defend his apostleship, but in so doing, he's defending that gospel message. For Paul, the gospel was a message to be believed for salvation. And it was a message that would bring the power to govern their lives and to produce the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. That's kind of the message of the book of Galatians. So I want to extend the Lord's invitation this morning to any and all that are here. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the God's Son? That He came to this earth and that He suffered and died so that you might be forgiven of your sins? Are you willing to confess Him as Lord? To turn from the life that you've been living and to follow after Him? Are you willing to be buried with Him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins? So that you can rise to walk in newness of life. And then be faithful all the days of your life. If we can help you in any way, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.